Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Hello everyone, I'm Phoenix. So, we are going back to the early releases to members, and then, after that happens, everyone else gets to watch the video. I think I mentioned that in the last video, so I just wanted to refresh everyone's mind. Also, if for any reason you hear a sort of slight, I don't know, lisp or something of the sort, I do have in my clear aligners. I reminded you all last week, so bear with me. I think I'm doing all right talking. I don't think I sound any different, but just in case something sounds a little, you know, off, <laughs> that's what it is. It's my aligners. Anyway, I never got the chance to say thank you to everyone, to all of us. We have bypassed 7,500 subscribers. We're actually at about 7,600 plus new subs. So congratulations to all of us and thank you all as the supporters. I, it just makes me happy. So thank you so, so much. Please remember the new format is we start off with a couple of uh, short stories and then we go into the long stories. So you can, you know, take an ambiance of the brain and get yourself a little used to the story and hopefully that should kick in and get you to sleep. All right. Down in the description box below, if you like what you are hearing, you can buy me a coffee. It supports me and the channel and is very much appreciated. Also, if you'd like to become a member of Back to Ashes, it's only $1.99 a month. Perks include, you get a shout out at the beginning of every video. You get priority responses in the comments, plus so many more. Also, I wanted to ask everyone a very important question. I'm gonna pin it down in the comments along with the buy me a coffee and membership if you would like to become a member. How do you all feel about Unsolved Mysteries? Not the TV show. It's more of today's Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know about you, but that stuff really, out of all these scary stories that I sit and narrate, that's what freaks me out the most. How do you all feel if I were to make a video and put it on here? I know there's not a huge, you know, portion of our family here on Back to Ashes that likes crime stories, but those mysterious disappearances in which no one's found, it's just, I don't know, it freaks me out but there is a whole plethora of unsolved mystery stories i would really love to narrate so please leave that down i'm going to pin the question in the same box as the buy me a coffee and membership please leave your responses on that and if i get a majority of a lot of people saying yes i'm going to go ahead and give it a try and see what you all think all right i'll talk long enough so you know what that means it is time to go back to ashes for when we return to the ashes, we arise a bigger, brighter, better, and stronger person in the morning. With all of that being said, sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm. And prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled, A True Cluster of Scary Stories. This will include different versions. It'll have glitch in the matrix it may have let's not meet it could include ghost stories paranormal true scary stories creepy encounters so on and so forth so let's get started shall we ghost stories the ghost at the office I worked for two years in an old house built in 1915. 
that has been converted into an office. This is in a historical town out west in the U.S. That is a tourist destination. We call this the Admin House, where around 12 people work at, which was for a larger company in the region. People's schedules were not consistent, so you often found yourself alone in the house or with a few others. However, we didn't like being alone in the house due to it being haunted. I have the belief the spirit of a woman still dwells here. The CEO's office was the hotspot, and sometimes the basement too. Activity usually happened in the early morning of late afternoon, when you were alone or only a few people were in the office. I would be working at my computer in the quiet admin house and hear a deep inhale and dramatic sigh of a woman coming from the CEO's office. Sometimes, the sound of the chair being moved or paper shuffled would accompany the sighs. Knowing the CEO was not in the office, I'd get chills every time this happened. I'd get up and look in the office, finding nobody there. Sometimes, papers would be scattered on the floor. Other employees started taking notice to these strange happenings. The HR lady once came up from the basement asking if anyone just came down there. She heard the basement door open and close, then heard a woman give out a big sigh. Getting up to go look, she found nobody there. None of us went into the basement who were there working at the time. Some of the more bizarre happenings was once when I had to come into the office alone on a Sunday to finish up a report due the following day. After a few minutes, logging into my computer, I started to hear opera music. However, the music sounded like it was being played on an old phonograph with the scratching noises. I thought it was coming from outside and continued working. After a couple minutes of the music stopping and then returning, I suddenly realized it was actually coming from the CEO's office. Weirded out, I get up and walk towards the office. As I'm approaching the office, the music is getting louder and I hear a woman sigh. Just as I heard the sigh, the music abruptly stops. I look in the office and it's empty. The CEO's computer is not even in the room since she took it home. One last encounter I will share was when it was just me and the CFO at the office. The CFO is coming out of the bathroom when she responds to someone calling her name from the CEO's office. The CFO goes into the CEO's office and then comes out with a freaked out look on her face. Nobody is there. 
but a woman audibly called her name. It was just the two of us at that office. This experience both creeped us out enough to make us be done for the day and leave that house. Glitch in the Matrix. It happened again. I'm starting to think something's going on with my dog. As the title says, my dog is the focus of this now reoccurring glitch. About a month ago, I posted on here how my dog seemed to have gone one direction, but appeared from the other direction, with no possible way of it happening. I just let my dog out when I got home from school and, after a few minutes, he started barking at neighbors. I go let him in, but I'm in my boxers. It's 76 degrees outside here. By this point, so I do the thing where I stay behind the door when I open it. I call for my dog and he comes running in the house, still hyped up because barking at neighbors is his favorite activity. I clearly saw him come in. He's 150 pounds of fluff and big bones, so he's hard to miss. Anyways, I'm going to reach the screen door he had knocked just out of my reach when I open up and he's on the sidewalk outside again. I clearly saw him come in, but there he was walking up to the door. I don't know what to do at this point. I'm kind of scared since this is the second time. Let's not meet. That time my friend and I were spooked by an escaped prisoner. The story takes place in a very small town in the northeast region of the United States in the summer before I went off to college in 2015. After I graduated high school, my parents decided to move to a smaller, more affordable house about 45 minutes north into the mountains. We stayed in my childhood home because the public schools in my area were the best in the state, and my parents really value my education. I ended up going off to an amazing university, and now I have an incredible career because of my excellent education. As most people in the U.S. know, amazing public education usually means higher property taxes. My parents got to the point where they could not afford the taxes on their 4,000 square foot home anymore and decided to sell it just after I graduated from high school. Their home is humble and it sits on a beautiful piece of land on the side of a beautiful mountain. The trees are always so green and there is a lot of wildlife around. They don't have many neighbors either, 
as their driveway is about a mile and a half long. But this is what they chose to live in after I went to college. In August 2015, we moved into this new house. I wasn't planning on staying long as I was getting ready to head off to college as a freshman for the first time. We decided to have a little housewarming party with a bunch of family friends and my best friend at the time as well. My dad was manning the barbecue. My mom was making drinks. We were playing with our dogs. It was a grand time and everyone had so much fun. My dad had built a brick fire pit in our backyard just to set the scene for you here. The fire pit was about 30 feet from our back patio door and we had a picnic table and other seats all around. Behind the seating was the tree line. It was so dark sometimes at night. You needed a flashlight to see 10 feet in front of you. With the fire pit lit, you couldn't see someone unless they were either sitting next to you or across from you in front of the pit. My best friend decided to stay the night and we asked my dad if we could make s'mores. As it was getting a little chilly, as it does in the late summer in the northeast at night, my parents left us outside with my dog Nino. Nino was a huge 100-pound black lab and pit bull mix. He was such a loyal and incredible dog that my dad trained as his right hand. He was our protector, as he could run extremely fast and was very strong and alerted us when something went bump in the night. Side note, he passed away a week before I got married in 2022. He was 17 years old and lived an adventurous life with my parents, hunting squirrels, laying out in the sun, and running amok. Nino laid in between us, facing the tree line, and my best friend was to my right. Our backs were to the dark, dense tree line. That was our first mistake. We were laughing, joking, and eating s'mores together, planning for the future, and generally excited about going off to college together. She decided to play some music and we just relaxed, feeling content and at ease. It was the perfect summer night, until Nino started growling. I saw his ears perk up and his head cocked to the side. He then sat up and continued to growl. My best friend and I both looked at each other thinking Nino just saw a stray animal or something non-threatening. This area was known for lots of deer and rarely a coyote or wolf. As he was trained to help my dad hunt deer, we assumed it was a buck or fawn in the distance behind us. We went back to singing along to the music playing and talking about our fall 
2015 class schedule. Again, Nino started growling. Our second mistake. We did not call out for my dad. We didn't even think there was a problem until Nino started barking repeatedly. This time, louder and more vicious. He stood up and started barking as if alerting us to activity beyond the tree line that we could not see. We stood up as well, a fire obscuring our view. My best friend took her phone, paused the music, and turned on her flashlight. She started to walk towards the edge of the tree line with Nino by her side, still growling and barking, alerting us to not go any further and to call for help. We stood still in silence, listening. I was too afraid to even breathe at this point. She started walking into the woods, and when she shined her flashlight, she saw a figure. Someone peering behind a tree. A man with a green shirt and green pants on. About 5'11 with glasses, too. We screamed and ran as fast as we could inside, leaving the fire unattended and this creepy man behind the tree. What we did not know at the time is where the man had come from. We crashed through our front door, breathless with Nino tailing behind us, and startled my mother, who was washing dishes and cleaning up from the party. She was talking to my dad about something they saw on the news, and I think we cut them off mid-sentence to explain that there was a man dressed in all green, lurking behind a tree in the woods. We didn't know how long he was there or if he was still there, but we were both crying. I remember feeling extremely sick, like I was going to throw up. My dad jumped up, grabbed his shotgun and headlamp, and ran outside with Nino. My mom gathered us into the living room, shut all the lights in the house off, and locked the doors. She told us to be quiet, and that she was going to call 911. As she did that, my best friend and I shook in fear. We were anticipating gunshots and screaming, but never heard any. My mom, now on the phone with 911, described what we saw to the operator. I heard my mom say, Oh! In an alarming way. At this point, my dad came back inside, and my mom let him know that the police were on their way to us. Being in a small town on the mountain, with less than 10,000 people means that we don't get our own police force. We get the state police every time there is a call made to emergency responders. My dad put his gun away and waited outside for the police to show up. To our bewilderment, they just didn't send one police officer, but 10 and an entire SWAT team and helicopter to circle the area. We were rightfully 
terrified. I was practically having a panic attack at this point. The police officers came inside our home and asked my best friend and me what the man was wearing, what he looked like, if we were able to discern any scars or tattoos. We explained the weird matching green outfit and the glasses. The officer excused himself and alerted the police and SWAT members outside of our description. They started to search the woods behind our home with guns drawn, flashlights, and the helicopter circling above. They advised us to stay inside and that they would let us know when and if they found something. After about 25 minutes, we got another knock on our door. It was not one but two officers this time. My dad let them in and they began to explain the situation. One officer explained that we mustn't seen on the news that a convicted felon from the prison about 20 miles away escaped into the mountains. The police set up a perimeter 10 miles around the prison, but the convict escaped yet again. The outfit the man was wearing as well as our descriptions signaled to them that the escaped combat was 100% lurking through our remote, densely wooded backyard that night. The all-green outfit was a standard issue for prisoners in my state then. They did not, however, find the man near us after 25 minutes of searching. He was still out there. The officers let us know that they were going to have a squad car stay and watch our house for a few days, as they were unable to locate the fugitive and believe he is still an active threat to our safety. That night, and for three nights after that, we all slept in the living room together. My dad's shotgun was within arm's reach of him at all times. Later that week, we get another knock on our door from the officer stationed outside of our home. They let us know that the man was back in police custody and that we were safe. They advised us to get security cameras and how sorry they were that this happened to us. After that, my parents spent about $10,000 on security cameras and fencing for our backyard. It is now all fenced in, and we have about four cameras to watch the tree line at all times. I guess you never know what will happen or what goes bump in the night. To the escape convent and perhaps murderer, who watched my best friend and I sing along to 2015 pop hits from your hidey hole behind my parents' isolated home, let's never meet again. True Scary Stories La Plantada, a Mexican urban legend The legend of La Plantada is a story of heartbreak about the life of Eulalia, a young nurse who was very dedicated and professional in her work of caring for the sick 
in the Juarez Hospital in Mexico. She was very grateful and good people with the patients. One day, a very beautiful and womanizing doctor came to work at the same hospital. Eulalia fell in love with the man and they became engaged. When the day of the wedding approached, the man told her that they had to postpone it because he had to travel to the north of the country and that it would take two weeks to return. However, Eulalia waited for him in love and very patiently. Eulalia even refused engagements from other men with the excuse of her engagement when her beloved returned from his trip. At that moment, a friend of Eulalia's told her that the doctor she was waiting for had just married another woman and had gone to another country, so he would never return. This generated a deep sadness in Eulalia, so much that she ended up neglecting her own health to the point of dying in that same hospital. Witnesses who claim to have seen the spirit of the nurse who roams the corridors of the hospital Juarez de Mexico describe her as a good-looking woman with blue eyes and blonde hair. La Planchada is one of the most famous urban legends in Mexico City and is nothing more than the story of the spirit of a woman who, despite suffering the heartbreak of a man, continues to watch over the patients of this clinic. Around this legend, there are hundreds of stories of patients in a delicate state or requiring urgent attention. They receive a visit from a nurse dressed in her perfectly pressed and starched attire. After giving them their medication, the nurse goes to the patient's family to tell them that everything is under control. The nurse takes advantage of these moments with the patients or relatives to tell them about the grief that distresses her, a lovesickness caused by a doctor who jilted her to marry another woman. According to the versions, the next morning, when patients or relatives ask where and how is the attentive and beautiful nurse with the broken heart from the night shift, the hospital staff has to reveal the horrible truth. There is no such worker, and her characteristics fit those described of the urban legend of La Planchada. Nowadays, every time a nurse falls asleep on the night shift, Eulalia's ghostly spirit wakes her up, or when a nurse forgets to give a patient his or her medication. Glitch in the Matrix Missing Scissors This happened a few months ago and still bothers me. I did not have enough karma at the time to post, though. So, I am a very detailed and organized person. Less is more in regards to my living space. My room is almost always in order, but most importantly to note, 
everything has a place. So if it's not in its place, I know it's missing. I also hate losing things, so I'm hyper aware of where my belongings are. So I have a cup on my shelf that I store pens and markers. I vetted every pen and marker before it went in there, and frankly, don't use them that often. But I still like to know they're all worthy of use, that I'm not collecting junk. This is just to note that I am familiar with what I have in there, because I loathe clutter. What I also keep in there is a letter opener and a great pair of scissors I kept from an office job many years ago. Those items I use quite often. At some point last year, the scissors went missing. Even though I do live with my family, I have my own floor and we don't really go into each other's spaces. We live more like roommates, especially in the sense that we have many of our own common items rather than communal items, including scissors. I was annoyed and asked everyone for a while if they had seen my scissor or came into my room and took them, to which, of course, they all declined. Over the next few months, instead of just getting new scissors, I would just get really annoyed every time I needed one and went to grab them only to be reminded that they were still missing. So, one day, I go to remove one of these event bracelets for my wrists that I got from going out the night before. Out of habit, I go to get the scissors, forgetting once again that they've been missing for months. I take the letter opener instead, I know, risky, and tell myself, that's it, just take the extra thick black scissors home from work that you've had at your desk for ages. I use the letter opener to remove the bracelet, put it back, and that's it. The next day, I, of course, forget to bring the scissors home from work. I work in a shared office space, so most of the supplies are communal, and those scissors hadn't crossed my line of sight that day to remind me to bring them home. When I got home, I do not have a ton of mail to open, though. So, I go to get my letter opener, and when I tell you my heart dropped into my stomach when I did not see the letter opener, but the scissors that have been missing for months. I just stared at them in disbelief. I then asked all of my family members which one of them had randomly returned my scissors that they all denied taking all those months ago. After the initial blatant denial to my question, I was practically begging them to tell me they returned them because I needed an explanation. But my parents and brothers said they have no idea what I'm talking about. I begged them to tell me. They were playing a joke on me, knowing they aren't the pranking type, but still, I'm needing an explanation. 
None of them even remembered me asking about these missing scissors months ago in the first place and truthfully thought I was going crazy and annoying for going on and on about a scissor all night. I was pretty freaked out and my denial and confusion made me decide to take the entire contents of the cup out even though the letter opener clearly was not there and couldn't be missed if it was. But let me tell you, when I then found hidden among the pens was the small black scissors from work that I never actually brought home the day prior. I basically sat on the floor for an hour trying to find a rational and logical explanation for the entire thing to help me sleep at night. It's been months, and I would like to note that my letter opener is still gone despite searching high and low for it. And now, I have two pairs of scissors at home. Curious what other people think because... I really still can't conjure a complete explanation that doesn't involve me having memory loss or my family playing a trick on me, which I also know didn't happen. I'm seriously starting to think I've just experienced a glitch and it's driving me insane. Paranormal Encounters Most Haunted Building I've Ever Encountered I've been dying to share these experiences. I'm an avid believer in the paranormal, but if I wasn't, this building would have done it for me. I used to work in a pretty standard pub. Small English town. Lots of local regulars. Nothing out of the ordinary. But after a while, the staff started to tell me stories. I learned it was an old Victorian house with a family living upstairs, a woman living where the bar was, and that the cellar had once been a doctor's surgery. The deepest room in the cellar was used as a laundry room, but had always made me extremely uneasy. I was told this was where the old surgery was and that there was a ghost in the cellar that didn't like women in there. They said the only way to protect yourself was to tell the ghost you had a right to be there. I also heard that the woman who died in the bar was still there. I was uneasy, but I kept working. Nothing happened until I'd been there a few months. Here is my first big experience. I was in the pub alone before a shift. I'd gone down to the cellar to collect bottles of drinks to refill the fridges upstairs. I then decided to go deeper into the cellar to get clean towels. On my way out, the lights cut. I heard the laundry door slam behind me and footsteps coming up behind me. They sounded heavy, like a man. I heard heavy breathing and I swear my heart was pounding. 
As soon as the footsteps stopped, the lights came on. There was nobody there. But I ran. I ran upstairs, bolted the door. I had the worst feeling. When my colleagues turned up, they said I was shaking. I remember just praying and refusing to go back downstairs ever again. The second experience. I was in the bar with my colleague when a woman walked up to the bar. We were serving other customers, so she was in our periphery. She very clearly asked us if we could please help her. We said yes, just to wait a minute, please. And she said that she'd been waiting. She walked out of the bar and into the adjoining concert room. Once I'd finished serving, we went into that room to see what she wanted. She was gone. What made it weird? That room had no other exits. She walked in and vanished. We checked the CCTV and there was no sign. But we had both seen her. It shook me up, but unlike the first encounter in the cellar, I didn't feel scared. I felt sad. It was like she was a residual spirit, lost and lonely. I hope she's managed to find peace. The third experience. This one was the second negative experience. Every area in the building had a telephone in it. The idea being that we could just call each room, as it was a huge building. The only phone that was broken was the one in the cellar, because it never worked and my boss just didn't see the point in replacing it. Nobody really used the phones anyway. I'd finished up for the day and had gone upstairs to the office and staff room. I was collecting my bags when the internal phone in the office rang. I was very surprised because there was nobody else in the building. I went to check the screen to see where the person was calling from. They were calling from the cellar phone the one that had been broken for years. I frantically texted the other staff. They confirmed nobody was there. I answered the phone. Nobody spoke, so I hung up. The second I did, they started calling again. I had that awful, uneasy feeling from the cellar ghost again. I grabbed my things and got the hell out. I told my boss the next day and she checked the cellar, confirmed the phone was still out of use. I felt really sick. That place has had so many little spooky things. Doors closing, bar shutters rattling, things moved around. Snooker balls rolling on their own, curtains twitching. But none of that stuck with me like these three experiences. The second one just made me sad, but the encounters in the cellar made me feel sick. I used to dread going down there. I'd feel upset and emotional every time I left the cellar, 
and would only feel safe if I prayed or if I crossed myself. I have no idea what was living down there, but it can't have been good. I was thrilled when I got to quit that job. True Scary Stories, The Smuggler's Cottage I've been meaning to write down my paranormal experiences as a child growing up. Get ready because this is a long one. These are experiences from different members of my family over several years. So, a little backstory first. I grew up in a sleepy little village. It's also known as the Garden of England, named as such for its picturesque gardens. Nothing much ever happened there, but little does anyone know of the village's dark past, a truly dangerous place in the 1600s where smuggling, murders, and crime were rife. Things were so bad that the name of the village was changed and eventually the old reputation along with it. If you saw it now, you'd struggle to believe it could have ever been such a dark place. In the center of the village is a small cottage. Across from it, a quaint English pub, and next to that, a church. The old cottage, as you've probably guessed, is where I grew up. Now, below the cottage was a large basement we called the den. It was used by the whole row of houses during the wars as an air raid shelter, as it was below ground, large and secure. Growing up in the house, I remember my parents telling me it was originally used for smuggling. They told me that there were old blocked up tunnels that ran from the pub into the church that connected to our house. So this house was already at the center of some turbulent history already. I had already gone through some pretty weird and haunting happenings living there. Well before I'd learnt any of this though. From as early as I can remember, I'd had night terrors nearly every night in my little box room right down the narrow hall. These nightmares were graphic. Nothing a small child would make up. And it was the 90s, so parents found it easy to monitor what me and my sisters were watching on TV, reading, etc. We were never allowed to watch scary movies. I was allowed to read Goosebumps when I was about 12, 13. At age 4 and 5, these nightmares were horrific half-bodies dragging themselves up the stairs in the hallway to my room. People stilling me from my bed and shadows creeping from underneath my bed. I also had a gollywog my parents put at the end of my bed. Apologies and no offense intended. I hated it. It was a gift from someone I can't remember. That would also visit my dreams crawling up my bed while I was sleeping and suffocating me. 
Of course, it would have moved when I woke up, but my parents would put this down to me kicking it in my sleep, which is plausible. Despite this, my parents insisted I was being silly and would place it at the end of my bed. As I hit my teenage years, I got rid of it. Although, thinking back now, I can't remember how I got rid of it. These were only a few of the horrific nightmares, but it was every night, and I would wake up screaming bloody murder. Looking back, I'm not sure how my parents coped. There were also the hallway leading up to the stairs and then the landing. Anytime I had to turn out the light to go upstairs, I would run, almost with my back to the wall. It always felt as if something was there, right behind you, grasping for an ankle to pull you back down with it. Pretty normal, right? Who hasn't had nightmares and run to their bed a little quicker after turning out the light when they were a kid? The thing was is that my parents, or more like my mom, would do it too. I remember my mom telling me when I was older, as more of the cowardly things she never did when my little sister, who was now in my old box room, had a nightmare. She got into the bed with her, comforting her till she fell asleep. She told me that she had to get up and go back to her room. She couldn't stand to be in there any longer. She was that terrified. Not that my parents' room was much better. It was right at the top of the stairs in my new, larger room next to theirs. From both rooms, you could often hear footsteps at night, coming up the stairs and along the hallway. I remember my mother telling me one night that the footsteps came thundering up the stairs right up to her side of the bed. She shuffled over to my dad's side, and he turned around and asked, Did you hear that? Now, my dad is a skeptic. He doesn't believe in anything paranormal. But that night, well, he can't explain it to this day. My older sister's room was in the den for a bit, and then I shared rooms with her for a little while. My room was being repainted. You'd think down there, in the dark basement, it would have been the scariest place to be. Even my older sister used to tease that we slept on the same level as the people across the road, i.e. the people buried in the cemetery behind the church. But weirdly enough, it was the rest of the house that turned out to have the most activity. I remember one night my little sister was sleeping in my parents' room, when suddenly she woke up screaming in terror. It was such a blood-curdling scream, all of us ran up the stairs to see if she was okay. Scared, she was hurt. We got to the room. She was stood up in the bed, still screaming, pointing at the window. Once she'd calmed down, she told us there had been someone stood at the window. This was one story up. 
no one could have been standing in the window. Not even to this day, she is adamant there was someone there. My mom also told me one night, she woke up to see a figure of a girl in the doorway. Thinking it was one of us, she asked, Are you okay, darling? It moved behind the door. Puzzled, she got out of bed and moved the door away from the wall. There was no one there. Eventually, my older sister got a job as a flight attendant, and my parents thought it better to swap rooms with her so she could leave at all hours easily to catch flights, etc. Looking back, I'm not sure if it was so they didn't have to be in that room any longer. When my sister was away on flights, I'd hear talking and doors opening and closing from that room. I'd just pull the covers over my head and say to myself, I was just hearing things. One night, though, when my older sister was at home, she came bursting into my room in hysterics. She told me that she woke to a girl crying at the side of her bed. Thinking it was our youngest sister, she went to comfort her. She suddenly realized it wasn't her. She pulled back quickly. That's when she was grabbed by her ankle and dragged right to the bottom of the bed. Terrified, that's when she ran straight into my room. That night, we slept in the same bed with the lights on. A long time after that, I remember one day, during the day, looking up from my seat in the front room to see a girl with dark braided hair running through our hallway and up the stairs. I asked my father who it was, and he looked at me confused and told me no one was there. I went upstairs to where she ran to, and sure enough, there was no girl there. Once me, my sister, and my mom happened to be talking about our individual experiences. My mom's with the girl standing in the doorway, my sister with the girl next to the bed, and me with the girl running up the stairs. We realized it was all the same girl we had been seeing. White dress and dark braided hair. At that moment, a candle from the mantelpiece flew across the room. Luckily, it wasn't lit. We were all shocked. There was no way it just fell that way. It was like someone had swiped it off the mantel. For me, at least, the girl was one presence in the house, but I believe there was another, darker presence there. For example, the front room doorway, at certain times of the day, there would be a smell of men's body odor. My dad was always meticulously clean, and it would even happen when he wasn't in the house. There were different occasions where different people could smell it at different times with no explanation. Often, the dog would also bark at nothing, and doors would open and close by themselves. I would very often and very regularly hear my dad's voice call me. 
when he was at work or not in the house. I would just brush this off as hearing things. However, it was only after moving to a new house years afterwards and looking back, I realized it was not normal. As I grew up and lived in different places, I realized that it proved the cottage was definitely haunted, as we never had experiences like that again. Any other paranormal experiences I've had in my life have been so negative or imposing. My mom always tried to comfort us by saying people may have died in that house, but many would have been born there too. But I truly believe something terrible happened in that cottage. Anyway, I'm so sorry if this was a long story. We lived there for 10 years, give or take. So I tried to shorten it down as much as I could. Thank you so much for reading my true encounters in this haunted house. Let not meet. Office meds? Now you tell me. When I was younger and just got into online college, I got my first apartment. I had three jobs and one was third shift, but I was more than ready for independence. While I had a great time there, I did have one problem. My new downstairs neighbor. So, the other tenants are a bit older than I am, with one of them being an old man who lived there for 20 years. The other was an older woman with a small kid, probably been there three or four years in an empty apartment downstairs. I keep to myself so I never really spoke to any of them before until I noticed that there was a new move-in. A man that seemed close to my age, maybe a little older, black greasy hair and a little overweight, but in my experience living here, people seemed nice and I was happy to possibly have someone to say hello to. That possibility turned sour really quickly when a casual hello turned into that trash stinks. Remarks from him when I was taking out the trash and snide remarks under his breath when I've done nothing. Even remarking on my sister's lack of a bra when she came to visit me. Naturally, I was grossed out and annoyed that he had to comment on anyone, especially my sister, and told the landlord, but, of course, nothing came out of it. One day, I was asleep and someone came banging on my door. I had no idea who it was, and my anxiety was beyond strong. I'm alone and never expect a knock that wasn't planned. It was the neighbor saying that I was being too loud and I need to stop harassing him. I explained through a closed door that I was asleep, that I was not making noise. He left and stomped down the stairs while muttering and calling me a bitch. My heart felt like it was beating out of my chest. I went back to my bed, only to hear him coming back up the stairs and bang on my door again. 
when I addressed him again. He said that I was harassing him and that he's calling the cops because I'm still making noise. I told him to ask the other neighbor because there's no way that I could possibly be making noise when he is on the other side of the building. He thanks me politely before stomping off and cursing and calling me a bitch yet again. I tell the landlord right away that one of his tenants is acting hostile and I don't feel comfortable or safe and he tells me he will look into it. I hear nothing for a week. It turned out it was the old neighbor hitting the floor with a stick like one of those classic cartoons because the rude neighbor was playing music too loud. I swear he should have known that as I'm on the other side. It was like he wanted an excuse to come speak to me. The following months it got worse. One day I walked out in a snowsuit so that I can play in the snow. I'm a big kid at heart. He had to remark on my clothing being unnecessary, even when there's three feet of snow out. I forgot what I said in response. Something like, it's none of his effing business, but he basically just said, F you. I just walked off to go play in the snow. It gave me little excitement because of the earlier interaction, so I went back home to get ready for work. The snowstorm got worse, and I had just come back from my night shift. I see him alone in the parking lot, with the car on and the windows up. I was on high alert, as I carefully walked around and up the alley to my apartment. The second I closed the door to go upstairs, I hear loud, wall-shaking music. It's him. He's blasting his car music at max volume in a snowstorm at 3 a.m. I was surprised and confused because of what his reasoning was. He did it until 8 in the morning, and I found out later it was despite the old neighbor for telling him his music was too loud. Soon, it all started getting serious, cursing in the hallway and playing music louder. With the police knocking at our doors, asking us about a noise disturbance, and now a mutual hatred against the neighbors, at the asshole who kept us all up. But that's not the worst part. I just got back from my night shift and it's 3am yet again. I'm dragging my tired feet over to the mailboxes that are right inside the town hall store. As I'm looking through the ads and letters, his door opens at the top of the stairs. My stomach tightens, hoping I don't have to interact with him, but drops when he starts speaking unintelligibly. At the top of the stairs, he's gurgling and mumbling something. Uh, what? I said, but he repeats the same weird sound again, only more aggressive. I felt something was more than off, and noped right around and out the door heading back to my car. I thought I'd rather sleep in my car than possibly be attacked in the hallway. And as I'm having the thought, I hear the window above slam open, 
I freeze and then spin back around the edge of the corner. It's him, and he's looking for me out the window. I stand there for a moment listening to him, and he's speaking gibberish and yelling. I thought to myself that it was my chance to sneak upstairs past his door and into my apartment. I sped up the stairs and past his door to the second flight of stairs. Right as I reach the top of the second flight of stairs, his door swings open with a big slam that makes me jump, and I hear him muttering and gibberishly speaking loudly while walking up the stairs. My heart is beating out of my ribcage as I am simultaneously walking and fishing my keys out of my bag. Like a classic horror movie, I kept fumbling the keys looking for the correct one in the dark hallway as I hear him walking up the last couple steps. I had mentally told myself not to panic as I spot the correct key and slide it in the keyhole on the first go. I swing the door open and practically launch myself inside before slamming it shut behind me. I pause and hold my breath as I hear him just five feet from the door muttering gibberish and calling me a bitch before walking back downstairs and out of the building. I watched him through a crack in my window blind, pacing back and forth, muttering, cursing, and at one point, screaming before walking off into the night. With a little bit of relief, I head to bed, hoping he doesn't come back. The next day, I get a text from the landlord. He says that guy was arrested and won't be coming back. Seems he was off his meds again and attaches a link in the text. Of course, I raised an eyebrow to that comment, thinking, Now you tell me? Well, I never did see him again. Just his family coming in and moving his stuff. So... To the off-his-meds rude behavior, let's not ever meet again. Creepy Encounters The Peeping Tom Who I Met on the Job Quite a few years ago, long before my haunted restaurant days, I did in-home care for the county that I live in. That particular job entailed me traveling from one client's home to another pretty much all day. I met the peeping Tom of this story at my second client's apartment that day. He was introduced to me by my client as the maintenance man for the apartment complex that she lived in. He would just do basic handyman fix-it duties in the tenant's apartments, as well as the yard work around the small complex. I say small complex because that apartment complex was only two stories tall and only had about 20 or so apartments in it. On the day that the maintenance man and I were introduced, everything seemed fine and normal. No red flags as of yet, anyways. My client and I sat and talked with him over lunch. Since she was a sweet person and he 
had come over on short notice to fix her leaking faucet. He told us a little bit about his wife and kids and how much they loved playing outdoors at his expensive property in their new side-by-side ATV. He even jokingly said that if I were ever near his neck of the woods, that I should stop by and meet his family and take a ride on his side-by-side to tour his woodsy property with its beautiful views if I wanted. Fast forward to a few weeks later, when I needed to hire him at my new house to do some emergency plumbing, because my normal plumber was away on a vacation at that time. My client agreed that he would be a great fit for the job, and plus, he really needed the extra money, so... She gave me his business card and I called him up to schedule him for the next morning. He showed up on time and did the work. Although I found it to be honestly a little bit janky if I may say so. What he did worked. It was just that he didn't even bother to go get the right parts to make the plumbing permanent. So I ended up with sort of a long term temporary fix. Everything was fine after he did the job. He left still showing no red flags or anything. Until later that month. That is when he began calling me for really weird reasons. Like, he would just want to know if I was working with that client the next day or whenever. He wanted to know that because, according to him, he needed to do some work she had called him about, but he was unable to reach her on the phone. Weird, I thought, especially since I thought he had worked in her apartment complex almost every weekday. So, why couldn't he just knock on her door or let the manager know? I brushed it off, though, considering I had just moved into that house, and I had a lot of work to do on it still to make it more livable and comfortable. But soon enough, the calls came more and more frequently over the next couple of weeks, until I woke up with 17 voicemails from him one morning. Enough was enough with that, I decided right then and there. And so, when I went to work for that client the next day, I showed her all of his voicemails. She was absolutely appalled at seeing them all and she immediately called the apartment's manager and informed them of the situation with the maintenance man and I. I would be lying if I said that it wasn't totally awkward after my client made that phone call, but unfortunately it was. At first... I was able to just simply ignore him and go on about my job's duties as per usual. But I wouldn't be writing this if that's all there really was, now would I? The calls began to really amp up and eventually they turned into incessant texts. Some of the texts were angry and some were almost sexual in nature. They were all still nonetheless, quite creepy indeed. To my great dismay though, 
I thought I was beginning to hear strange noises outside of my isolated house some nights. At first, I figured that it was just some local wildlife, which we got a lot of out in the country where I was. But since I happened to know a little bit of tracking, I got bored one late afternoon and decided to go out exploring and tracking a little. I was horrified to find several human, man-sized, 13-inch outsole boot prints all around my house and field. I brought out my little tape measure just to make sure, and sure enough, it looked as though someone traipsing around outside my house and outside my bedroom window. I just knew deep in my gut that that was all the strange sounds I had been hearing late at night outside. I went out to a local electronics store the very next day after I got off work and purchased a motion-censored night vision game camera for still pictures and a small night vision live camera for outside that I could view on my TV. At first, unfortunately, the game camera didn't really come up with any good pictures except for some deer and a skunk. But, one night, as I sat in front of my TV by myself, I decided to switch from the satellite dish to the live camera that I had placed outside a couple of days prior. I didn't see anything at all for the first few minutes, but that all quickly changed. I began to hear the faint and then familiar sounds of light footsteps outside again. Then, to my absolute and complete and utter horror, I watched on my TV as a man in a dark hoodie walked right past my camera. I instantly froze, not knowing what to do. I didn't dare move a muscle or even breathe as I listened to him creep past outside my window. In my mind, my heartbeat must have been audible to him as he slipped past outside. I don't know why I didn't call the cops right then and there, but I figured he was probably already gone since all had gone silent outside once again. It wasn't until about two weeks later, when I returned home from work to find both my front security screen that I had locked standing open, along with my previously locked front door wide open, that I was forced to call the police finally. They sent an officer out, but all he could really do was look at the footprints outside my bedroom window and take a report. Fortunately, The handyman was fired shortly after that due to unknown reasons to me, and all the weird activity outside my house at night stopped. If I learned even one thing from that whole scary experience, it was that you should always watch who you invite out to your house, especially if you're a single female. True scary stories. The moment a poltergeist tried to kill me. 
Me and my family moved into this house in Arlington, Texas. And at first, we didn't really expect nothing bad to happen. The very first night that we moved in, or were about to move in, the landlord brought me and my brother to the bedroom, where me and him would be sleeping and whispered in our ears that there was a demon in this house. Of course, we didn't believe her at first. You know, like, we were just really skeptical of it. After a while, nothing happened. It was just a new house for us. It was a really nice house, too. And we really liked the old type of feeling to it. And we would always have our doors and windows open during the summer so the breeze would come through. After a while... My mom was taking a shower in the shared bathroom and she recalls to us that she heard a blood-curdling scream coming from inside the house. She thinks it's our video game, so she grabs a towel and she cautiously goes to our bedroom to tell us to stop playing violent games. But when she got to our bedroom, we were dead asleep. I made a new friend down the street for me. Her name is McKenna. She was the same age as me, and we were always hanging out. One day, I invited her to come over while no one else was home, because I low-key had a crush on her. And she came over, and we went to my bedroom and just put on a scary movie on Netflix. As we were watching a scary movie, out of nowhere, we hear every plate and glass and everything in the kitchen falling down and breaking. I was thinking that someone had broken into our house, so I grabbed my baseball bat and I told her to follow me and to stay behind me and we snuck into the hallway. We both peeked our heads around into the kitchen and every single cabinet and drawer was wide open. And as soon as we looked into the kitchen and saw this, every last one of them slammed shut. I immediately freaked out and I started to run, but McKenna was frozen in her place. She was looking at something with her jaws wide open, and I grabbed her shirt and I screamed at her to let's go. We ran outside and I waited for my parents to get home. She went back to her house and texted me that she was never going to come back to my house again. I understand why, of course but I asked her what she was looking at. She told me that she didn't want to talk about it and that she would tell me later. Eventually, the nighttime came and I didn't tell anyone what happened. I just let it go because I feel like no one would have believed me anyway. Anyways, it was a school night. Summer was over and my brother was already asleep and I was trying to sleep. For some reason, I just could not sleep at all, so I laid in the bed and I closed my eyes, and I was just trying to sleep. Out of nowhere, I feel a hand grab my hair, and it felt like it was tugging me into the closet, which was directly behind me. I tried to scream, but I thought, as if I couldn't let out any noise. Eventually, my mom and my brother heard everything. They came to me and comforted me. And when my mom came into the room, 
I was laying on the floor kicking and screaming. I went to my mom's bedroom and I slept with her that night. And as I was trying to sleep, McKenna texted me. She told me something that absolutely terrified me to this day. She said that whenever we peek into the kitchen and the cabinets and drawers were wide open, she saw a black figure of a man standing on all fours on top of the fridge like a spider. I completely felt paralyzed in fear, and I grabbed my mom's arm and held on tight for the rest of the night. There is a lot more that happened, but long story short, my mom almost got killed by the poltergeist too. She was in the shed in our backyard, putting the boxes away that we didn't unpack when we moved in, and me and my brother were in the backyard playing football, and out of nowhere, we hear our mom scream at the top of her lungs. She came burrowing out of the shed as we ran to her, and she was bleeding, and she said she broke her neck because, as she was on the ladder to put the boxes on top of the shelves tucked away in the back corner, a sharp stick was thrown at her and almost pierced through her eye, and she had to go to the hospital because she broke her neck falling down. I am a very reasonable person, and a skeptical one too. I never really believed in ghosts, but I absolutely cannot explain the reasoning behind the events that took place in that house. Does anyone else out there have any explanation of what the hell we are going through? And that, dear listeners, is the end of a true cluster of scary stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. And if you're awake listening to this, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.